We gather as a diverse and inclusive spiritual community that seeks to inspire love, work for justice, and grow in community. Whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, we welcome you. Whomever you love, we welcome you. May this be a place where you can be your fullest and most authentic self. I invite us to take a deep breath together and to be fully present. Put aside the demands of the world to simply be as we begin our time of worship, celebration, reflection, of singing. Remember your connections with one another in all of life. And may the spirit that is life and love flow through this place as we join Unitarian Universalists across the country in lighting a chalice, a symbol of sanctuary and safety, a sign of life's beauty and wonder, a symbol of peace and hope, an invitation to continue our ongoing search for the light of truth within us and among us. And I invite Ryan and Molly to come up and light the chalice. topic for today's service, paying attention. My mind immediately went to my favorite Mary Oliver poem, Praying. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention and then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. I have long loved this poem because of its imagery and its depth of meaning. This poem reminds me that there is beauty everywhere, that everything is holy, even weeds in a vacant lot. It reminds me to pay attention to everyone and everything around me. It reminds me of the importance of silence. 
What does paying attention mean to you? At the very least, it means being present in each moment. But there is more to it for me. Paying attention is a focused intent to use all of my senses, to be fully aware of my surroundings and to engage meaningfully with life. When I am with my granddaughters, I try to practice paying attention. They love to talk to me, telling me all about their lives, their friends, their dreams, with all of the emotion and intensity children under 10 have about their world. I love hearing these stories and I hang on to their every word because in my privileged place of grandma, I can. Paying attention is a gift, one we can easily give to our loved ones and to ourselves. What does paying attention mean to you? Come, let us worship together. So my story today is called Everybody Needs a Rock. It's true. By the end of the story, you're going to see that everybody really does need a rock. So everybody needs a rock. I'm really sorry for people that don't have a rock as a friend. Trust me. I'm sorry if they only have tricycles and bicycles and horses and elephants and goldfish and three-room playhouses and fire engines and wind-up dragons and things like that. I'm sorry if they don't have a rock for a friend. So that's why I'm giving you my rules for finding a rock. Not just any rock. I mean a special rock. A rock that you find yourself and keep for as long as you can, maybe even forever. If somebody were to say, what's so special about that rock? Don't tell them. (laughs) I don't. Nobody is supposed to know what's special about your rock. All right, so here's the rules. If you can, go to a mountain made of nothing but a hundred million little rocks. Shiny, beautiful, round rocks. But if you can't do that, any place will really do. Even an alley or a sandy road. When you're looking at rocks, don't let mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, or even best friends talk to you. Nobody can talk to you. You should choose a rock when everything is quiet. Don't let dogs bark at you or bees buzz around you. But if they do, don't worry. The worst thing you can do is go rock hunting when you're worried. Don't get a rock that's too big. You'll always be sorry because it won't fit in your hand and it won't fit in your pocket. A rock as big as an apple is too big and a rock as big as a horse is way too big. But don't choose a rock that's too small. It will be easy to lose, or a mouse might eat it, thinking it's a seed. Believe me, that happened to a boy in Arizona once. Look for the perfect color. You gotta get really close to your rock. And really look for the perfect color. That could be a sort of pinkish gray. 
with bits of silvery shine in it, and some lock blocks will look brown, but there are really other colors inside if you look really close. Another way to see colors is to dip your rock into a clear mountain stream if you happen to be next to one. The shape of the rock is up to you. There's a girl in Alaska who only likes flat rocks. Don't ask me why, because I like them lumpy. Everybody's different. The thing to remember about shapes is this. Any rock looks good with a hundred other rocks around it, but your rock, your perfect rock, needs to look good all by itself sitting in a bathtub. Always sniff your rock. You want to sniff the rock? Want to give it a sniff? What's it smell like? You want to smell it? You want to pass it around and give it a sniff? (laughs) Some kids can tell when they sniff rocks whether that rock came from the middle of the earth, from an ocean, from a mountain where wind and sun touched it every day for a million years. And you'll find that grown-ups can't tell these things as well because kids have a better sense of smell. Remember not to ask anyone to help you choose. The rock is yours. When you find it, you will know. I've seen a lizard pick one rock out of the desert full of rocks and go sit there with it alone. And I've seen a snail pass up 20 rocks and spend all day getting to the one that he wanted. You have to make up your own mind and you will know. So all right, those are the rules. Pretty easy, right? If you think of any more, I'd love to hear what they are, and you can come tell me. And maybe this week, if you go out and you find your perfect rock and you bring it with you, I'd love to see it. Pay close attention on your rock hunt, and your rock and you will find each other, okay? Spirit, that is life and love known by many names, you in which we share and find strength and common purpose. We turn our minds and hearts toward one another as we hold in this circle of care and concern all who need our love and support, those we've named in this time of remembrance, those who are in our hearts and thoughts, all who are ill, in pain either in body or spirit, those who struggle with addiction, those who are lonely, those who grieve, those who experience violence of any kind. We pray for them. We pray for ourselves, too, that we would be grateful for the many blessings we receive each and every day, that we would use these blessings with joy, generosity, and kindness. Help us, we ask, to live fully this life we've been given, to treat each and every moment as a rare and precious treasure, to worship what is of true worth, to practice radical hospitality, welcoming the stranger, to speak the truth as we know it, and to join in the struggle for justice and peace in our world. Help us to feel the heartbeat of life itself, to find wonder and awe in both the struggle and the beauty of life, to remember that we are connected in mystery and miracle to one another and all of creation, to care for this fragile planet and work for the well-being of every creature, to affirm life and to walk upon this earth in gentleness and reverence. May it be so, and amen.
reading is The Violinist in the Metro. There is a story from the Washington Post about 10 years ago. A man sat in a metro station in Washington, D.C. and started to play the violin on a cold January morning. He played six Bach pieces for about 45 minutes. During that time, it was calculated that 1,100 people went through the station. Three minutes went by, and a man noticed there was a musician playing. He slowed his pace and stopped for a few seconds, then hurried on his way. A minute later, a woman threw money in the violinist's case without stopping. A few minutes later, someone leaned against the wall to listen, But then the man looked at his watch and started to walk away again. The one who paid the most attention was a three-year-old boy. His mother tugged him along, but the boy continued turning his head the whole time. This action was repeated by several other children. All the parents, without exception, urged them to move on. In the 45 minutes, only six people stopped and stayed for a while. He collected $32. When he finished playing and silence took over, no one noticed or applauded. The violinist was Joshua Bell, one of the best musicians in the world, playing on a violin worth $3.5 million. Two days before playing in the subway, Bell sold out a theater in Boston where the seats averaged $100 each. Our second reading is Gratitude by Mary Oliver. What did you notice? The dew snail, the low flying sparrow, the bat on the wind in the dark. Big-chested geese in the V of sleekest performance. The soft toad, patient in the hot sand. The sweet, hungry ants. The uproar of mice in the empty house. The tin music of the cricket's body. The blouse of the goldenrod. What did you hear? The thrush greeting in the morning, the little bluebirds in their hot box, the salty talk of the wren, then the deep cup of the hour of silence. When did you admire the oaks letting down their dark and hairy fruit, the carrot rising in its elongated waist? The onion, sheet after sheet, curved inward to the pale green wand. At the end of summer, the brassy dust, the almost liquid beauty of the flowers. Then the ferns, 
scrawned black by the frost. What astonished you? The swallows making their dip and turn over the water. What would you like to see again? My dog. Her energy and exuberance, her willingness, her language beyond all nimbleness of tongue, her recklessness, her loyalty, her sweetness, her strong legs, her curled black lip, her snap. What was the most tender? Queen Anne's lace with its parsnip root, the everlasting in its bonnets of wool, the kinks and turns of the Tupelo's body, the tall blank banks of sand, the clam clamped down. What was the most wonderful? The sea and its wide shoulders, the sea and its triangles, the sea lying back on its long athlete's spine. What did you think was happening? The green beast of the hummingbird, the eye of the pond, the wet face of the lily, the bright puckered knee of the broken oak, the red tulip of the fox's mouth, the upswing, the downpour, the frayed sleeve of the first snow. So the gods shake us from our sleep. Legend has it that President Franklin Roosevelt hated the long reception lines at the White House. He complained that no one paid any attention to anything he said. So one day at a reception, he decided to try an experiment. To every person that came through the line and shook his hand, he murmured, I murdered the vice president this morning. <laughs> People responded with marvelous. Keep up the good work. We're so proud of you. God bless you, sir. Toward the end of the receiving line, someone did pay attention. The Bolivian ambassador shook his hand and heard what the president had to say, startled for a moment, recomposed himself, leaned in and said, I'm sure he had it coming. <laughs> this month's Soul Matters theme is attention. It's an invitation to reflect on how we spend our lives and what matters. Every moment of life is about attention. Our minds are both consciously and unconsciously making choices about what we give our attention to and for how long. It's necessary. Our attention cannot be everywhere at once and on every detail or we would experience sensory overload and insanity. Paying attention is also important for our survival. Imagine trying to cross a busy street without noticing traffic and stoplights or ignoring a signal from our bodies that something is wrong and ending up in the hospital or worse. Many things affect our ability to pay attention, including our state of mind. If we're grieving, we'll miss things we would notice if we're happy. We may be so focused on a specific thing that we are blind to almost everything else, something known as attentional blindness. Our attention is also often directed by outside sources with interesting results. There was an experiment in 1999 by two research psychologists. They brought people in one by one and asked them to watch a video. The video showed six people on two teams. 
One team, three people in black shirts, and the other three in white shirts, and they were passing a basketball around. The researchers asked the people watching the video to count how many times the white shirts passed the ball. This is about a minute and a half of video. At the end, most people got it right. The white team passed the ball 15 times. Then the researchers asked another question. Did you see the gorilla? Gorilla? The researchers played the video again, and sure enough, as the two teams are passing the basketball around, somebody in a gorilla suit saunters right into the middle of the group, turns to the camera, beats its chest a few times, and exits out the other side. Half the people the first time around didn't even see it. I suspect many of us would have missed the gorilla the first time, too. I didn't see it. I was too busy counting how many times the ball was passed. That prompted me, like the president, to do my own little experiment this morning. Did anyone look at the signboard outside today, announcing today's service topic? Uh, What did you notice? The tea is gone. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I left a tea out of the word attention. (laughs) Thank you for noticing. (laughs) Yes, it was on purpose. (laughs) I thought it (laughs) fell. No. (laughs) So for those of you who didn't notice, would you have noticed if I'd put something in the midweek email to pay attention to the signboard? Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) There are other reasons we miss things. There are some studies out there that suggest the human attention span, the time you can totally focus before your mind distracts you and you need to refocus is eight seconds. That same study found that the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. That means the goldfish waits a second longer than we do before it gets out its smartphone to look at pictures of kittens. Those studies have been debunked, by the way. Psychologists who looked at them argued the problem isn't our attention span, but the endless options available from everything to cable, television, restaurants, the visual stimuli around us. These psychologists also stated that because of all of this, we're better at multitasking. That doesn't encourage us to give our full attention to anything, though. Imagine trying to have a deep conversation with someone, maybe a life and death conversation while they're sending texts or looking at pictures of kittens. Mm -mm. Some people argue that technology gets in the way of attentiveness. My colleague, Reverend Victoria Safford, writes, in the Middle Ages, Christian scholastics argued that the devil's basic strategy was to bring human beings to a point where they were never alone with their God nor ever attentively face-to-face with another human being. The mobile phone, then, says one writer, seems to present a major breakthrough for the powers of hell. (laughs) With a mobile phone, a person is never alone and is never entirely attentive to someone else. She goes on to say, what is entirely brilliant about it from the demonic perspective is that so many people have been persuaded that their phone is not something pleasurable, not something chosen, but something necessary, perhaps even forced on them. Regardless of the reason, our inability to pay attention can rob us of some amazing experiences, such as hearing a world-class violinist a subway without having to pay $100 for a seat. Paying attention is one of the simplest practices. 
In her book, An Altar in the World, Barbara Brown Taylor, who's a well-known preacher and theologian, writes, the practice of paying attention can be as simple as looking twice at people and things you might just as easily ignore. Paying attention requires no equipment, no special clothes, no greens fees or personal trainers. You do not even have to be in particularly good shape. All you need, she says, is a body on this earth willing to notice where it is, trusting that even something as small as a hazelnut can become an altar in this world. Paying attention can also be a great spiritual practice. I've made it one of my spiritual practices, whether it's picking up that perfect rock from a Missouri river, really seeing the clear blue October sky, listening to the cardinal song in my backyard, noticing who's here this morning, or sitting in silence, feeling my heart beat in rhythm with all of life. I learned the practice of paying attention from Mary Oliver. Oliver is a poet who spent most of her life outside, staring at animals, listening to plants, watching the seasons change, and putting words on paper to try to capture it all. She had a lifelong love affair with the world. It may seem she was writing about geese or an oak tree or the ocean, but every poem has a simple message with these instructions for living your life. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. In the second reading, Mary Oliver helps us to pay attention with eight simple questions that engage our whole selves. Her questions are past tense, which suggests her poem was written as she reflected about life and those holy moments of full attention where she really saw the world. Let's put these questions in the present tense. We have a way to pay attention. What do you notice? What do you hear? What are you admiring? What astonishes you? What do you see? What is most tender? What is most wonderful? What's happening? These are questions for our senses, our minds, and our hearts. And I would add two more questions. What breaks your heart? What inspires compassion? As Unitarian Universalists, our faith challenges us to pay attention. Our fourth principle calls us into a lifelong search for truth and meaning. At the heart of this search are fundamental questions of our humanity. What is truly worthy of our attention? What brings us wonder and awe and helps us make meaning of life? What is worthy of the devotion that comes with attention? What is worthy of our very lives as a response to devotion? Some of those answers will come quickly. Hopefully ourselves, our spouse, children, family, friends, the world around us, God or the universe or whatever we recognize to be of ultimate importance. Some answers are more difficult when we acknowledge that the world is broken as well as beautiful. Paying attention is difficult when we face life's pain and suffering in ourselves and others. It's uncomfortable to deal with loneliness, with loss, with failure. It's so hard to see the drug addiction destroying lives, the poverty, the racism, that person on the corner who is homeless, 
the climate crisis that threatens our very survival. But if we don't pay attention to both the beauty and the suffering and allow our hearts to be broken open by all of it, we can become disconnected with life, with ourselves, with one another, with the divine. Experiencing our fullest humanity and opportunities for spiritual growth are lost. Most of all, we miss out on love, wonder, joy, deeper relationships, the beauty of a sunset or waterfall, the devotion in a pet's eyes, meaning and fulfillment. What if you and I started paying more attention to each other in the world? What if we put down our technology more often and renewed our love affair with life? What if the practice of paying attention drove out hatred and bigotry and brought healing and new hope to our nation and our world? What if fiercely loving the world meant climate change could be stopped? What if we discovered that what is most worthy of our very lives is creating peace and making justice? What if, as Annie Dillard writes, we chose to abet creation and witness to it, noticing each other's beautiful face and complex nature so that creation doesn't play to an empty house? Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. Love this world into the paradise it was always meant to be. May it be so, and through paying attention, guided by the spirit of love, we can make it so. Yeah. 
faith in me and I will try not to lose faith in Put your trust in walls, cause walls will only crush you when they Gretchen Haley. Do not fail to be surprised by the catching of your breath, the quickening of your heart, the fullness of your eyes. Wide and suddenly awake, the world is filled with wonder. Do not fail to notice. And now holding before us an invitation to pay attention more deeply and discover what is worthy of our devotion and our very lives. Let us go forth to continue inspiring love, seeking justice, and growing in community. May it be so. Blessed be. Amen and namaste.